Well, welcome. We're glad that you guys are here. Um, my name is Andy, one of the young adult pastors here at Crossings. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you, man, I am, I'm really glad that you're here tonight. Um, I'm excited for what we're going to talk about. If you have um, your Bible open, go ahead. I'm not going to give you one particular text. Actually, yeah, go to Romans chapter 8. But we are, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to write down tonight. So if you don't want to write it down, get your phones out so you can take a, sh- a screenshot because we're going we're gonna to walk through some rhythms tonight. Um, and it's not just one or two, we're gonna do six, all right? And so uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get through this. But as, as I was thinking about this message in particular, because we kinda, we've kind of walked through the last couple of weeks some of the, especially the first couple of weeks, some 30,000 foot view stuff that, hey, that God created with rhythm and that he made us with rhythm in mind. And so we started to talk about this idea that, hey, maybe God has a rhythm for you and I as his greatest creation. As human beings, maybe there's rhythms that we are wired for that we are not aware of. Or maybe there's some things that, some rhythms in God's word that if we live by them, we will thrive um, in life the way that God has created us to with him. And so I've been thinking about this idea of rhythms. And the other morning, I walked into my garage and I heard a rhythm that I was not familiar with. And it's the kind of rhythm as a homeowner you don't ever want to hear. And that is the sound of dripping water. Walked into my garage and the floor is wet. And I'm like, that's weird. There's no water on in here, nor should there be. And so I started to listen and I heard drip, drip, drip drip and there's this rhythm of dripping. I looked over and sure enough, I looked up at the ceiling and there are these two PVC pipes that I've never seen before in the 10 years we've lived at this house. Never seen them, but I saw them that day and I saw water drip, drip, drip. And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) why is that happening? That has never happened before. Eh, We Googled it, we found out, all right, but here's the deal. I was like, this has got to be a plumber issue. So it's a Saturday. This isn't going to happen. I'm not paying like triple overtime, you know, whatever to get. So I got a bucket. Just put it under the drip. Drip. It got a little louder because it's hitting plastic. But it just started, you know, drip, drip, drip. Great. Problem solved, at least short term, no big deal. And then I went on with our day. And then I woke up Sunday morning, went out to the car to go to church, looked over at the bucket, and it was about that far from being full. It was like one of those Lowe's buckets, Right? So it's like, like five gallons or something like that, maybe more. Is that, it was like, oh man, I need to go dump that out. So I went and dumped out. But here's what got me thinking. We all have a drip in our life. Drip, drip, drip. It's a rhythm that's small, but over time it will fill you up. And here's the thing. Whatever fills you up will form who you are. And so that little drip may not seem like a big deal. Just like on Saturday morning, it's like, ah, no big deal, we can wait. Put the bucket under there, temporary solution, not a big deal. But if I don't deal with that drip, that drip is gonna become a huge deal, very expensive deal. And so that got me thinking, right? Drip, drip, drip. What is the drip in our lives that is actually forming who you are? Not just today. Because we've talked about this over the last several weeks. Who you, what you do today and who you are today is who you are becoming. In five years, what you do today will be full. In five years, 10 years, 20 years, 
50 years. So what is the drip that is forming who you are? What is the drip that is slowly, in even infinitesimal amounts, filling your soul and your mind? The thing that's always there, drip, drip, drip. And so here's what I wanna talk about tonight. I wanna talk about living a life with God. And what is the drip of a life living with God? Because I think God's word, in fact, I don't think, I know God's word points us to, to some things that we were designed for, that lead us to live a life and life to the full in Christ instead of chasing some other drip that will leave us dissatisfied and disappointed and bitter. And so here's what I'm not talking about tonight. I'm not talking about life for God. I'm not even talking about life around God or adjacent to God or for you Barbie fans, a life that is a long distance, low commitment, casual relationship with God. It's not what I'm talking about. I am gonna talk about tonight a life with God. Not around him, not near him, with him. Because whether you know it or not, this is the theme throughout the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the theme of God being with us is the heart of the God we love and we worship and we serve. In the beginning, Adam and Eve were in the garden with God. And then they left the garden because they sinned. And then God said, oh, not so fast. I'm going to be with you. And in the Old Testament, we see God's presence with them all the time from the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant to pillars of fire, God is with them. And then we get to the New Testament and the Gospels and we see Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us in flesh. And then when Jesus leaves and he's resurrected, what does he do? He sends his spirit to be with us and to dwell in us. And then one day in Revelation, in chapter 21 to be specific, we see that there's a new heaven and a new earth. And God says, they will be my people and I will be their God. I will be with them once again. And so this idea is not just something I thought up in my office as I was prepping for this sermon. It is a theme that we see all through scripture. It is the, the heart of God is for you, not to be around him, not to be adjacent to him, but to be with him. And so what does it look like to live a life with God? Not just adjacent to him or long distance with him. That's what we're gonna talk about tonight, life with God. My goal tonight is not to give you information, although you will get information. The goal is not just to download as much information because information doesn't do anything. What we want, we want transformation, not just information. If the information that we're gathering every week from God's word and from small groups and from our time in God's word, if it's just information, then it is not producing what it was meant to produce and that is trans a transformed life. Because when you live life with God, you can't not have a transformed life. Think about this for a second. If I were to, just, I would never do this, but if I were to walk up to you with a burning hot coal and drop it down the back of your shirt, we would see a drastic change in your behavior, attitude, everything, right? 
drop it down, you're like, wah! Everything would change about you. Then how can the spirit of the living God live within us and there is no change? Maybe, just maybe, it's because we're not living with him. We are living at best adjacent to him. Kind of close enough, but not too close that I have to give over control of my life to you. So we're gonna look at six rhythms that we see in scripture tonight. Romans chapter eight is where we're gonna start. We're not gonna stay there very long. All the scriptures will be on the screen, so don't feel like you gotta catch up and, and move. We're gonna, we're gonna be all over the place tonight. But Romans eight, one of my favorite passages. And in our young adult ministry here, I would, I would argue that this is probably one of our core passages because you guys live in a chaotic time of life, right? You're learning how to be adults, you're adulting, you're learning how to do all the things. And it can be confusing, it can be overwhelming. But Romans 8, verse 28 and 29, listen to this. Paul says this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For those that he foreknew, he also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We know that all things work together for the good. What is the good? Is it for a good day? Is it for a happy life? Is it for a, a spouse and two and a half kids and a, and, a, and a nice house and a yard? Is that the good? Is it a better job or a better situation? No. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Why? To be conformed to the image of his son. That is the greatest good of all of humanity. That we would be conformed to Jesus. And so what are the rhythms that are going to conform us and change us and transform us to the image of Christ? Number one, life with God means matching his pace. This is the rhythm of slowness. This is hard to do. We live in a life that is a fast food restaurant kind of faith. We're gonna dial in our order so that when we get there, we don't even have to go in. We just drive through, grab our, 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 our quiet time and just move right on by with the rest of my day. It takes me to Luke chapter two. There's this little story. And as a parent, I really appreciate this, this story. Because in Luke chapter two, Mary and Joseph lose Jesus. How many of you guys ever got left behind somewhere at a store or school or whatever? Anybody? Anybody? No one? Come on, be proud of it. Let's go. All right. Some of us get left behind. Right? And it's not because our siblings are our favorites. But, you know, mom and dad just went crazy. So, but Mary and Joseph left Jesus for one hour. Nope. Three days. <laughs> Mary and Joseph left Jesus back in Jerusalem. And they realize, oh no, we gotta go back. I bet, I'll bet it took them less than three days to go back, right? They get there and they find Jesus in the temple reading the scrolls and talking with the Pharisees. And Jesus says this, listen to this. Why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? Here's the, 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 the thing that kind of piques my interest about this story is that Mary and Joseph outpaced Jesus. They were living and doing things that Jesus was not about. And they had to backtrack to find Jesus. 
And it just makes me wonder if the pace of our life is outpacing what God wants to do in your life. That we're so busy going from this thing to this thing to this thing that we are leaving the Holy Spirit behind. And we're totally missing what he actually wants to do in and through you. Like you know uh, what those things called snow globes? You guys know what I'm talking about? Little Christmas thing with a little glass ball and there's some sort of beautiful Christmas scape inside and then you shake it and all the snow goes up, right? To me, that's my mindset with this. That's the image that comes to my mind. Is our life is a snow globe, but we don't ever give time for the snow just to settle. There's another thing that shakes up our life. Gotta go to work. Gotta get home and do this. Oh, it's time to be real. Let's, you know, like, it just shakes up our life and the other things then control us. And we never actually get settled because life is so fast. You see, the reality is, is we cannot expect God to match our pace. We need to yield to his pace. And what we're gonna talk about is going to give you tips and tricks tonight to actually slow down and meet with the Lord and do life with him instead of just around him. Because the reality is that real transformation takes a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. There's an author and pastor who's passed away not too long ago named Eugene Peterson. He said this, a disciple is a learner, but not in the academic setting of a schoolroom, rather at the worksite of a craftsman. A disciple is a learner, but not in the academic setting of a schoolroom, rather at the worksite of a craftsman. You see, the student watches the craftsman. The student waits for the instructor. The instructor doesn't move at the pace of the student. And so as a disciple of Jesus, and that word disciple just means a learner, a student, we wait for the pace of the master craftsman to do what he wants to do in us. Because consuming information does not form us. Sitting with, watching, and learning from the craftsman is what forms us. And in order to do that, we need to adopt a rhythm of slowness. God's purpose is that we become Christ-like, not that we become information databases. God's heart for you is that you would become like Christ not just an information database of knowing things about Jesus. You see, growth takes a long time. Drip, drip, drip. And that rhythm of slowness sets you up to be able to do life with the master craftsman instead of just running your life and saying, God, catch up. And so life with God means matching his pace. Number two. Life with God means communing with him. What I'm talking about here is the rhythm of prayer. And the rhythm of prayer can only be done well with a rhythm of slowness. Luke 5, 16, we see this theme all through. Like guys, here's the deal. If we are going to call ourselves Christians, and my, my guess is most of you in here would probably fall in that category. Maybe some of you are just wondering what the heck this is. Who is Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? Great, I am so glad you're here. But the theme of Jesus' life, if we're gonna be followers of Christ, then maybe, just maybe, doesn't it make sense that we would actually do what Jesus did? And time and time again, we see this verse, 
Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why? To be with his father, to commune with his father. Regularly, there was a rhythm of escape, a rhythm of prayer. And we cannot do this well. We cannot allow prayer to form us unless we take the time and the slowness to sit with the Lord in prayer. So I wanna give you a quick acronym, and here's the fun thing. We're gonna, do, we're gonna have an experiment later on. During our 120 seconds, we're gonna actually do this. Here's the acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y. P stands for pause and praise. We're gonna start our time at the end of this message, and maybe you can tonight or tomorrow morning. We're just gonna pause, we're gonna breathe. We're gonna slow down our heart rate. We're gonna slow down our pace, and we are going to think about what has God done for me? What has God done for us? And we're gonna praise him for it. We're gonna turn our heart and our mind towards God off of our day, off of our stresses, off of the deadlines. We're gonna put them back where they belong. The R stands for reflect and respond. So after we posture our heart, slowing it down, praising and thanking him, we are then going to spend a moment a few moments actually, and we're gonna review and reflect on our day, today, your day today. And we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit, God, would you help me see my day clearly? And we're gonna ask some pointed questions about our day. And then we're gonna go to the A, and we're gonna ask. Because God's word tells us, hey, bring all your requests to the Lord because he cares for you. But we're gonna add a couple questions to that ask not just genie in the bottle kind of requests, but some deeper requests that require us then to listen for what God would have to say to us. And then why is yield. Not my will be done, but yours. Again, we see Jesus do this. When he teaches, did you know that the the disciples, at least from my understanding, only asked Jesus to teach them one thing? Do you know what that one thing is? They see him go off alone to pray. And when he comes back, they say, teach us how to do that. Whatever you're doing right there, I want to teach us how to do that. It's the one thing they see him do, that they are asking him, teach us how to do that. And in that prayer, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we pray, as we get a rhythm of prayer, P-R-A-Y, pause, reflect, ask, yield. Because the goal of transformation is not simply information, knowing about prayer. We are formed by actually praying, slowing down and praying. We have a book in the back, if you wanna check it out, that we would highly recommend. It's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. I think we may have one or two copies, but there's a QR code. If you wanna go dive deep into this, that'd be a great resource to get because life with God means slowing, keeping his pace, and it also means communing with him. Number three, life with God means knowing him. This is the rhythm of study, memorization, and meditation, or my favorite word, marinate. This is the rhythm of marinating in God's word not gliding by, not a touch and go. It is soaking in God's word, studying who he is, 
Colossians 3.16, Paul writes this to the church in Colossae. He says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. That word dwell, you know what that word means in the Greek? It's not really hard to figure out. It means to make your home in. Let the word of God make its home in you. It's not just a visitor for the weekend. That your heart and your mind are not a spiritual Airbnb for God's word, that it would dwell in you. The cool thing is that Jesus does this. We see him. He has made God's word a home in his heart. In fact, almost 180 times Jesus quotes scripture from 24 different books of the Old Testament. And that's just what we know. A hundred and nearly 180 times he quotes scripture. And it wasn't written down, he just knew it. He had hid it in his heart, he knew it. Psalm 1, 1, 2, and 3 David writes this, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. You see, the imagery here is of a tree planted by something. And from that something, our nutrients are grabbed and fruit is produced. Drip, 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 drip. Is there a drip of God's word in your life that's consistent, that's slowly but surely filling you up so that you may dwell richly in God's word? It wouldn't just be something you know about, it's something you are. You ever met those people, like when you talk to them, they just like flow scripture. They don't even quote it. It's just, you can just tell like, oh yeah, okay. I've heard that verse before. That's somebody who is marinated in God's word. It's soaked into who they are. Paul again says in Colossians chapter one, just before the dwell in you richly verse, Paul writes, him, Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So let me ask us a good and hard question tonight. If Paul's goal is that he would teach everyone with all wisdom that they might be mature in Christ, here's the hard question. What rhythms do you have in place in your life that are maturing you in your faith in your relationship with Christ? What are the rhythms that are maturing you every day, that are growing you up in your faith? Because here's the, here, here's the truth. Just because you're biologically maturing does not mean you're spiritually maturing. What are the rhythms? What's the drip, drip, drip that is leading you to maturity in your faith, that's growing you up in your faith? What we see Jesus do is he knows who God is and he knows God's word because life with God means knowing him. Now, those first three that I went through, those are all internal things. Slowing down, praying, studying and meditating and marinating, memorizing. My last three are external. These are external ways that we can do life with God. So number four is life with God means creating space for him. 
This is the rhythm of solitude, silence, and stillness. Guys, you see, there's a reason that libraries are quiet. There's a reason that the do not disturb function exists on your phone. There's a reason that the headphones that you purchase have a noise canceling function on them. Because we know when we wanna focus, when we wanna accomplish something, we need to get rid of all distraction. We need to be still and focused. And most of us, we need to be alone at some level, at least from the noise. Mark 135, one of those scriptures that we, I alluded to earlier, says Jesus very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. What is the rhythm of solitude, silence, and stillness in your life? My guess is it is zero. <laughs> like of all the rhythms, this is the most countercultural one that we would be silent, that we would be still and by ourselves with the Lord. It, is, it just feels uncomfortable saying it. We can't even sit at a, at, a, at a red light still. How many of you guys are like me and this red light comes up, pull my phone, open it up, here we go, let's go. What happens in the last 30 seconds from the last intersection I was at, right? This one is the most countercultural, but here's the reality. This, this rhythm, when you insert this rhythm, you will see the most immediate fruit from it in your life. We are not comfortable with solitude, silence, and stillness with ourselves. It's uncomfortable because then we gotta deal with ourselves. That's it, that's all there is. Us and the Lord. That's why it's uncomfortable. That's why we pull out distraction on our phone. That's why we make a phone call. That's why we text. That's why we do something. Put music in our ears. Because silence is scary. Stillness before the Lord can be intimidating. Because what if we don't like what we feel? What if we don't like what we think? What if we don't like where our mind, our heart goes? Well, Psalm 46, God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So be still. Maybe for you, be stilling is just going for a walk by yourself and just talking to the Lord, getting away on a solitary place. Maybe it's going for a drive without the radio on and just drive and let the Lord and you have a conversation. You see, the greatest, enemy of the, the greatest enemy of the transformational work that God and the Holy Spirit of God wants to do in our lives is distraction and busyness. That is the greatest danger to not maturing and growing up in your faith. The greatest danger for us as Christians is distraction and busyness. It keeps us from slowing down, it keeps us from praying, it keeps us from communing, it keeps us from God. The busy, busy, busy. It's in the solitude, silence, and stillness that we can listen for what the Holy Spirit wants to say and wants to do. Have you ever just sat quietly on your back porch or in your car and asked this question? God, what is it that you desire to tell me? And then just wait in the quiet. 
and say, God, speak, for your servant is listening. We need to create that space because it's not the knowledge that we should create space that transforms us. It's the actual sitting in silence, solitude, and stillness where the forming happens. It's actually working this rhythm out in our life. Number five, life with God means imitating him. Again, this is our external formation. This is the rhythm of service. Again, our Savior, Jesus, has done this in Mark 10, 45. He said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Being transformed into the image of Jesus is more than information about transformation. It's not just liking Jesus, it's, but it's doing what Jesus did. And Jesus came to serve. This is, if you're not a believer, this is how he has served us. Jesus saw our greatest need, that we have been separated from God because of our sin. And that because of our sin, we are going to encounter the wrath of God when we die. We talked about that chapter, I think week one or week two. We talked about the wrath of God. The, the wrath of God is not his uncontrolled, unhinged anger towards you. It's God's good and holy and just response to evil. And because of our sin, we are separated from him. But Jesus came and said, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give my life for you so that you can be redeemed and your, pain, your sin is paid for. And I will take your place. He has served us. It's what he means when it says the son of man did not come to be. It's not time for Jesus to be king. That day is coming. Read Revelation. Jesus' first excursion to earth was to seek and save. So we live in a season of salvation. Now is the time. Because there is going to be a time where salvation is finished. He came to serve us. Perhaps we are most Christ-like when we are meeting the needs of others as Christ has met our greatest need. 1 Peter 4.10, the apostle Peter says this, as each has received a gift, talents, wirings, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Love that verse. Because what it tells me, one, is that God has wired you and gifted you with certain things, but they're not for your glory and they're not necessarily for your good. He gave them to you to use them to serve others so that when they receive that gifting and that service, they feel God's grace. That your talents and wirings and giftings are actually God's grace with skin on. And so we meet one another's needs, not because, yeah, it's, it's gonna feel good. It feels good to serve, it really does. Because it takes ourselves off of the throne of life and it puts other people in that position of being served, just like Christ has placed us in that position. You see, the thing about the forming piece of this, this rhythm of formation, the drip, drip, it's not after you're done serving that God starts to form you. It's in the serving. 
this, it's, it's in the midst of serving and meeting the needs of others that the drip of formation fills you up. Because while you serve, you are living as Christ lived. You are in that moment being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. So then the question is, where are you serving? How are you serving others? Because our world, believe me, will tell you, you serve you. You take care of you because nobody else will. Wouldn't it just be awesome if we as Christians actually did what Christ has called us to do? And you could walk into a place like this and you could walk in a small group and you walk into church on Sunday morning knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that someone is going to serve you and take care of your needs. What a freeing feeling that you no longer have to worry about you. You are free to serve and meet the needs of others because you know God has served you and his, his people, his children will also be looking to, to care for you. It's called the one another's of scripture. Look it up. You could do a whole other sermon. It's my favorite topic. So life with God means imitating him. I don't know if I said that earlier. Life with God means imitating him. That's number five. Number six, last one. Life with God means yielding to him. This is the rhythm of surrender, the rhythm of yielding. Luke twenty-two forty-two. when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if there's any other way, if you could take this cup, if this, path, if this cup could pass me by, but not my will, but your will be done. Again, when Jesus taught them to pray in Matthew 6, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. So think about yielding, the rhythm of yielding. What's the rhythm of surrender and submitting and yielding in your life to God? Like I think about driving. I do not like to yield when I drive. Like I'm that guy that if you pass me at some point, I'm gonna pass you soon just to show you that I'm, I'm, I'm leading this, this charge. I don't even know if we're going the same place, but don't pass me, right? I don't like that feeling. I don't like the feeling when you come to one of those roundabouts, like letting someone else go first. You're like, Ugh, if, I just, if I just gun it, I can beat him. And I think sometimes that's the way we view our life with God. If I just gun it, I'll get there quicker, faster, and, I, and it'll be better. But as we drive and we're called to yield, what we do? We slow down the rhythm of slowness and we look over our shoulder to see if anyone's coming. And before we go, we make sure it's clear. When we yield to God, it means we slow down and we look over our shoulder and say, God, are you coming a certain way? Do you want me to go a certain way? All right, you go first and I will follow you. And so the question then is, am I willing to yield my idea of what a good life is to him? Or what's that one thing that you're like, okay, I'll, Andy, I like this idea, but there's this one area that I, I no, I, I, will, I will hold that close. That's probably the one that you need to start with. Because really what we're talking about is control. Yielding is giving up control of our life we're giving up control of our opinion. We're giving up control of our job. We're giving up control of our relationship and saying, God, your will be done, not mine. This is what I want, but your will be done. So life with God means yielding to him. So this is where we're at. These are the six rhythms. Rhythms of life with God look like matching his pace, 
communing with him, knowing him, creating space for him, imitating him, yielding to him. Drip, 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 drip. Because what you are filled with is what will form you. What you are filled with is forming you. So what's forming you? What is shaping who you are? What kind of husband and father are you preparing to be today? What kind of wife and mother are you preparing to be today? What is the drip in your life that is forming you slowly but surely? Jesus has come to me, follow me. He wants to be that drip. The Holy Spirit wants to be that drip because he knows you and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And so what do we do with this? Well, I guess the first one is, let's insert some rhythms into our life, shall we? But number one is decide what you want. That's what you need to, that's so what number one. Decide what you want. Do you want life with God? Do you want life without God? Or do you wanna settle for some counterfeit Christianity that is a long distance, low commitment, casual relationship with God? Because I'll promise you this, he did not die on the cross to redeem you from, from hell for a casual, long distance, low commitment relationship. No, no, he is inviting you in to do life with him. Number two, after you decide what you want, I'm hoping you'll decide, man, I want a life with God. I want a full, vibrant, life-changing, transforming relationship with God. Fantastic. Then the new, second number two, put it on your calendar. Calendar your rhythms. That's what I have to do. If I wanna do anything in my life, it has to be on my calendar. I need a reminder on my phone 10 minutes before it's supposed to happen. I need that. Because if I don't calendar it, it ain't gonna happen as much as I want it to happen. Like I, I, I work out occasionally and I've learned that willpower does nothing for me. If I go work out by myself, literally the minute I start sweating, I'm like, oh, I'm good, I'm done. That's probably enough, right? I won't be too sore, but I still worked out, burned like 20 calories, I'm good. What I've learned about myself, and this is a humbling thing, is that I need people. I need to be in a class and I'll work out for an hour and not stop because my ego, my pride won't let me. That's what I need. So calendar it. Speaking of other people, that's number three. Partner with one another in, in inserting these rhythms in your life. Don't do it alone. Trayvon last week did a great job of talking about the rhythm of community, that we were wired for it, we were made for it, and God calls us to be in it with him and with other people. Find a friend in your small group. Say, hey, let's set some rhythms that we would do life with God together. Not as a competition, but as an accountability. Say, hey, this, we wanna do life with him and I need your help. I need your help and I need your help and I'll help you while you help me. And then number four, choose a tool to use. Don't be afraid. I've got three tools up here. There's two apps, Pray As You Go and Lectio 365. They're free. I use Lectio 365. It gives me a devotional and it walks me through P-R-A-Y every morning. 
If I just push the play button, I get some person talking to me in a really cool accent and it re they read the Bible to me. They instruct me how to pray, what to pray. It's a wonderful tool. I've got a friend that does the Pray As You Go app. Or if you wanna know God, I would encourage you to jump on the five-day reading plan with Lance Ward, one of our pastors. And all year for five days a week, Monday through Friday, there's a reading plan and then every Friday he drops a podcast and he talks about what we read that week. Guys, you live in a time where there are more resources to do life with God than ever in human history. So let's pick one and let's dive in to life with God instead of just life adjacent around him, busy doing the stuff of church. Let's, let's actually be with him. So we're gonna do that right now. Instead of doing 120 seconds just by yourself, here's what we're gonna do. We've never done this before, so we're, you know, it may be awkward in the moment, that, that's fine. Let's just lean into it. We're gonna walk through P-R-A-Y for the next several minutes. And what I'm gonna ask you and invite you to do is engage. It's going to feel awkward because we don't do this. It's awkward to be still. But I'm gonna walk us through the P-R-A-Y, and then we're gonna worship at the end of it, and we'll close our night together. If you need to move, if you wanna get up and maybe get some space, that's fine. If you just wanna sit there and be patient while we finish this, that's fine too. But I wanna invite you to, to enter into this time. All right, so we're gonna pause and praise. The first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna put Psalm 103. One through seven, verse 22 up on the screens. I'm just gonna give you a few minutes. I'm not, we're not gonna read it together. I want you to read it. And I want you to think about the words you're reading. Don't just read it to get through it. Read the words. And then I'm gonna instruct you in a moment on how to pray and praise. So go ahead and read pause and praise. Just take a few seconds and think about your breathing. Breathe in slow and breathe out slow. Calm your heart before the Lord. And then list the good works that God has done for you and thank him for it.
before we move on to reflecting, let's close our pausing and our praising by reading Psalm 103 one more time. 1 through 7, 22. Can we go back to that slide? There we go. as we move to reflect and respond, we're gonna take a minute, we're gonna review your day. And we're gonna start by asking the Holy Spirit to help you see your day clearly. So go ahead and ask God and his spirit to help you see your day clearly. I want you to think through your day like you're watching a movie of your life. From when you got up to when you left the house and you did your day. Ask these questions. What stands out? Are there any particular emotions or moments that stand out to you? During your day today, when did you feel close to God or notice his presence? Or maybe when did you feel far from God and far from who he, he called you to be? As you think about your day, highs, lows, closeness, farness, just respond appropriately, whether that's with thanksgiving, confession, or asking for forgiveness. Go ahead and review your day. as we move into the ask of our acronym, we're gonna put up Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Why don't you read through that a few times and then turn it into a prayer.
as we ask God to speak, as we ask God for things, we don't need to be scared. You don't need to be ashamed. God's word says, bring all of your cares to me because he cares for you. And so whether you wanna pray for specific situations, relationships, needs, he says, bring them. But I also wanna put on the screen these questions. Holy Spirit, what would you desire to tell me? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to trust you with? I'm gonna give you a few minutes to, to spend some time asking of the Lord. I wanna encourage you to listen for what the Spirit might be speaking to you. finish tonight with the why, the yield. With Matthew 6, verse 10, the first line of the Lord's Prayer. Go ahead and read that and then turn that into a prayer. Think of your life situations, your relationships, and then insert that into this prayer. God, would your will be done in my blank? Go ahead. God, we come before you. Whether we know it or not, Lord, we come before you in great need of you. We live in a world that is characterized by chaos. Lord, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone here, Lord, but I know I want to do life with you. Not just around you or adjacent to you, I want to live life with you. Holy Spirit, would you help us 
let the drip of your word, God, would you let the drip of your spirit's activity fill us and form us. That no matter what happens, even if what we want to happen doesn't happen, Lord, we can still say it is well with me because I am with you. Holy Spirit, help us to find our center, our foundation, our joy, our fulfillment in our relationship with you. God, would you show us the areas where our relationship is just around you? Would you awaken our souls to want to want you? God, would you help us be so dissatisfied with the things of this world that we would have no other option than to worship you and to do life with you? God, you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You are the King of all things. Our world wants to cut you down and just make you one, just one other thing. But you are the King. And so God, we worship you because of that. Not because we have to, but because we get to. So Lord, as we, as we finish tonight, as we close tonight with another song, God, would you awaken in us the heartbeat of praise that the spirit that dwells in us would sing out with power that our hearts and our minds and our voices would be centered on you as we do life with you. We praise things in your name. Amen.